But let's kick it off with Phil Duncan. Well, you can just start talking to him, Jamie. Have we, have we not sold Phil off? No, we've I not. I can't believe this. The best weatherman <laughs> in the country and we haven't flogged him off. Hello, Phil. Good morning. Good afternoon. It's um, good afternoon. Yeah. Rowena's excited because it's raining here in Dunedin. Oh, hallelujah. Where, believe it or not, um, it's getting a wee bit dry. Yeah, I do believe it. Um, if you take a look at the um, seven-day departure from normal rain map, which is comparing the last 30 years with, with rain that we would normally get at this time of the year, and, and you take a look at what's coming up, it looks as though you know Australia is just a big red blob, and then you see this kind of like, it looks like smoke drifting across the Tasman and over New Zealand, this sort of red shading. And what, to me, what that is saying is this big high-pressure zone over Australia is going to stretch out over New Zealand, and we're on the edges of it like we are today. We're getting, you know, downpours and showers around the country. But when you actually take a look at things and go, well, is this actually the normal amount of rain? It's not. So I fully agree that that the El Nino side of things is now starting to properly show up. It's showing up in our long-range forecasts. And yes, I, I, I do believe that this could be one of the strongest we've seen in a long time. But there's one part, uh, piece of the puzzle that that, that story um, from Niwa yesterday didn't talk about, and that's our location on Earth. You know, we're more than half of New Zealand is in the Roaring Forties, which means the Southern Ocean dominates our weather, not just the tropics. And so we're we're in a position where. We, what I'm trying to say is there's a silver lining. That yes, we are looking at this big El Nino, but New Zealand's location does give us the chance of getting some rain in the dry months coming up. So if it is one of the worst El Ninos in the past eight decades, um, Niwa once again, Phil, sorry to keep mentioning them, but they have, come out, they have come out with some information around this. So for you people out there who are um, weather record aficionados, they're saying you might, want to suge- you might want to compare what we've got coming up this summer to the summers of 72, 73, and I know I was a youngster in Southland then, we had a screamer of a drought that year, 82, 83, and of course 97, 98, and that was the year of that crippling Marlborough mm. drought. So uh, th- 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 those are sort of a bit of a dire warning. We don't want to over-dramatise things, but forewarned is forearmed. Uh, yeah, you're right. And I think a really good way of looking at it, um, I think Nee was correct in what they're saying. And a lot of the um, things that Niwa puts out sounds sort of, you know, if it was made in a laboratory, um, you know, under wearing a white, white lab coats, this is what will happen. But our location does give us this wild card factor. And one of the things that gives me just a little bit of confidence, and I'm certainly not trying to dismiss what Niwa said, because I think it is accurate. But what we're seeing is with the monthly data that we have from IBM, it suggests that Spring's going to splutter with El Nino. We're still going to get rain and lows and changeable conditions. But once we get into summer and the start of next year, it looks as though El Nino will be really with us. And that is a concern for dry eastern parts of, of the country. Hey, yeah, Phil, today is September the 11th, 9-11 in US parlance. It's parlance, how you say it? I think parlance, so. Parlance, yeah. parlance. Anyhow, um, we're one day early, but we won't be chatting to you tomorrow. So 9-11, like we're, we're talking 22 years. Two years ago. 22 oh, years now. And, and all old. of us remember it as though it was yesterday. Do you? What, what are your reminiscences on it? I strongly remember it because I was um, about to get engaged and my uh, fiancé was Canadian, um, or about to get married, I should say, and she had gone back to Canada a week before 9-11. 
And so she goes back to Canada. 9-11 happens. Um, one week after that, the same flight she was on, the Air Canada flight from Los Angeles to Toronto was escorted by fighter jets because some guy was smoking a cigarette in the toilet and no one knew what was going on. Oh. Like crazy. And we, we honestly thought, I wrote an email to her at the time. Obviously, we're not together now. But I wrote this email, which I kept. And it talks like we're worried that the borders will never reopen again. That was the genuine feeling mm. that the whole world had just stopped. So I, 9-11 has a, a strong you know, feeling to me. And I've been, been to uh, Ground Zero. And I've also been up the new um, One World Tower. And it's a, it's a very emotional place to visit. I think for everyone born after the end of the Second World War, it's the biggest event of our lifetime. Yeah, and I love um, bringing it up with my nieces and nephews who are, are under the age of 25, and and they sort of don't know a lot about it. They obviously know about it, and it's really fascinating talking to them and sort of, you know, you suddenly feel like you're... It reminds me of my grandparents talking about stories, and it's like, oh, now I'm doing that, I guess. But, yeah, it's a, it was a major moment. It makes you feel old. It does. In fact, it was 22 years ago. Oh, you ago are well. kind of old. Oh, right, right, right. No, you're not old. You've still there. got your best years in front He's of you. He's looking own. at me, Phil, no, not, not you, directing Phil. that at you. <laughs> so whatever, what if, whatever happened to the Canadian fiance? Well, she stayed in New Zealand, but it just didn't work out for us, unfortunately. So we were, we were, it was a very, it was unfortunate, but you know that's life. It was still a very, very enjoyable marriage.